Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. There was a young man from the days of his childhood. His lifelong dream was to go into the military and serve his country. The day finally came that he graduated from high school, and as soon as he did, the very next day he went off to training. And leading up to that day, he began working out as a teenager and trying to get as fit and in top shape as possible so he could go off and serve his country. He goes to training and, and he gets up to this wall. And during this particular exercise, uh, all of these individuals were required to, to climb up this, this giant wall with a rope. And at the very top, you were to, to help the, your next comrade up above the wall and then climb back down. And what they would do is they would get to the top and they would link arms together and they would help pull each other up. And they would train and train and train and these individuals never had the idea that they would go off and, and serve in combat, but the day came, the call came, where they went off to battle. Shots were being fired, bombs were blowing up, and they were summoned to retreat. A helicopter came in, and they began to load up onto the helicopter. And the fire that was being shot began to get so vicious and so much that, that the helicopter began to take off as some of these men and ladies were, were getting onto this plane. And so as the, the plane, excuse me, as the helicopter is, is ascending up into the air, there's a rope that was let down by the individuals on the, on the helicopter so they could begin to start climbing while the, the helicopter was ascending up into the sky. Shots were being fired, and the last individual got up to almost a few feet away to climb into the helicopter, and, and a shot was fired and hit the rope, and the rope broke. And instantly, the, the, the training took place where one of the men, had the only thing he could do was reach down and grab the man's hand, and for a little while up in the sky, that was the only thing holding the other individual from falling. To his death. I say all that to say this that no matter what type of country or military somebody is training for, they go through extreme training to prepare for situations that they never would have dreamed to be in. Today, as we read this passage, this is an important passage that reveals to us. A very similar way you would train somebody to be ready for the military. That is, we are called to train people for a greater service. And that is the Lord's army. Today I want to label my sermon with, with three words. The Great Commission. The Great Commission. And in fact, I would like to summarize the entire content of my sermon with this statement. That is, if you walk away with anything today, I want you to walk away with this simple statement. Every Christian is called to fulfill the Great Commission. Every Christian is called to fulfill the Great Commission. Now, I know what you're saying. You're saying, well, Brother Brian, last week you preached about evangelism. Isn't that the Great Commission? No. It's only one part 
of the Great Commission. Today I want to give you five definitions of what I believe and would others agree with me to believe that the Great Commission is all about. You see, I believe that evangelism, telling somebody about Jesus, is only a simple part of the whole spectrum of the Great Commission. And we're going to look at some of the other passages about this today. But if you've got your Bibles, I want you to look here in this passage. And I'm going to share with you some other thoughts. But, but before we dive into all that, I want to ask and answer this one key question today. What does the Great Commission mean. If I were to pass out a pen and if I were to pass out some paper or if I were to get you to pull out your iPhone or your Android and get your notepad out and I were to ask you write down what you believe the definition of the Great Commission is, I wonder what you would say. Today I want to share with you five thoughts or five definitions of what the Great Commission means to me. I believe before we ever educate believers and evangelize the lost and baptize them and send them off, I believe it all begins with this thought. So the first thought I want to share with you is this. The Great Commission means exalting the Savior. The Great Commission means exalting the Savior. I believe that, that it's our responsibility as a local church to do nothing more and to do nothing less than exalting the one named Jesus Christ. You see, our ministry is not about the charter member. Our ministry is not about the pastor who, who started this church. Our ministry is about Jesus Christ and Him alone. And I believe that if we would exalt Him and Him only, then we would see a host of young people, middle-aged and older folks, come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, if we, saw, if we stopped exalting each other or exalting different individuals, men and women, within local churches all across our land, I believe we would see a genuine Holy Spirit-filled revival in the United States of America. And please may, make no mistakes about it. Our nation does not need a political reformation. Our nation needs a spiritual reformation sent from the Holy Spirit of God. The only hope for our nation is Jesus Christ. The only hope for young people today is, is not a great education in the public school system or off at a university or private education. It is being educated about the one Jesus who came and died on Calvary's cross and rose again. And today I believe the Great Commission means exalting the Savior. You know, I love the Gospel of John. I love John's writings from Revelation all the way to 1st, 2nd, 3rd John through the Gospel of John. And his writings, he says a lot of good things. He says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He said that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He said, He must increase and I must decrease. John quoted Jesus when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In John's Gospel, we read about how he said, quoting from Jesus, I am the resurrection and the life. And whosoever believeth in me shall never die. But in John's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 32, if you want to make a note of that verse, John chapter 12, verse 32 we see that in John chapter 11, Lazarus was dead and, and Jesus comes to the cemetery and, and calls his name forth and he walks out of the tomb. He comes out of the tomb. And then in John chapter 12, we see another scene. Jesus is teaching and he says, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Now I know we emphasize this a lot, but 2,000 years ago, Jesus was exalted on Calvary. Jesus was exalted so that he could pay the penalty of every person's sin, past, present, and future. 
and so that we could receive life and have it more abundantly. And if you're here today and you've never experienced salvation, if you've never experienced your sins totally remitted and forgiven, today is that day. First John said that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's nothing that you could say. There's nothing that you could think. There's nothing that you could ever do that God would never forgive unless you died without accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. The first part of the Great Commission means exalting the Savior. You know, I know that we are called as a, as a body of believers, when we gather together, we are called to lift up the name of Jesus. But may I ask us all a personal question? Is our life exalting Jesus Christ? If you were to have an investigator come and investigate your life from the day you step out of that bed to the day you close your eyes. I wonder, would there be enough evidence in your life so that you would be found guilty of exalting Jesus Christ? Every Christian is called to fulfill the Great Commission. May I share with you a second thought? But I want you to turn to the Gospel of Mark. We are in Matthew. We'll get back here in just a few moments. But in Mark chapter number 16, I want to show you this verse. And we, we might have mentioned it last week, but, but here I want to just really show it to you and just read verses 14 and 15 of Mark's Gospel. Mark chapter 16 and verse number 15, remember the Great Commission is found in five locations of the New Testament. It's found in Matthew, it's found in Mark, it's found in Luke, it's found in John, it's found in Acts. And in Mark chapter 16, verse 14, the Bible says, Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat, and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Now verse number 15, it says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The second definition of the Great Commission is not only exalting the Savior, but secondly, the Great Commission means evangelizing the sinner. The Great Commission means evangelizing the sinner. Here in Mark's gospel, Jesus specifically commands those early disciples, which would eventually become the early church. He commissioned them and said to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This just simply means to all nations and all kindreds. The Bible says that we are not to discriminate who we share the gospel to. That is, we, we are called to go to every country, every continent, every culture, every city, every place, every person and share the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus, you see, biblical Christianity is not a white man's religion. It's not a black man's religion. It's an all man's religion. It's for everybody. The, uh, the songwriter said, he said, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. And it matters not where you were born, it matters not what your nationality is. It matters not what all that is. God has called us to share that news and to evangelize them. If you've got your Bibles, turn over to Luke. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Verses 45 through 
Verse 45 of Luke chapter 24 says, Then he opened their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer. And he suffered, and he brutally suffered. With great agony he suffered on the cross. The words of man's vocabulary in the English language cannot describe the suffering that Jesus went through 2,000 years ago. And then it says, And to rise from the dead the third day, and he did rise again. If you do not believe Jesus rose from the grave, then, then what's the point in us meeting here today? He did, and he rose for all of us. And it says, verse 47, here it is. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached. This word preach, it means to proclaim. So if you could just imagine, if you could just imagine me going downtown Roanoke with a, with a bullhorn, and I'm just out, you know, sharing a message. It doesn't have to be this message, but just out telling people about a message. Well, that's exactly what the word preach means. It means to herald forth. It means to get a microphone, and it means to, to share with great enthusiasm and fervor the message of Jesus' death and his resurrection and his soon coming again. And it talks about repentance here. How that, that, and all repentance means is a change of mind. That means we are to change our mind about sin, to mean that, that sin, when we sin, we are sinning against a holy, righteous God, and we need to confess that, and we need to ask God for forgiveness. And when we change our mind, our whole mentality of what the Word of God says about sin, then I believe that will eventually lead into a change of direction and a change in lifestyle after salvation. Remission of sins. The only way we can have our sins remitted is, is through the blood of Jesus. But then it goes on to say, His name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And here in verse 48 is where I want to focus on. It says, And you are witnesses of these things. In Acts chapter number 1 verse 8 it says, After the Holy Spirit will come upon you, you shall be a witness. Here, the second part of the Great Commission is simply evangelizing the sinner. We read in Acts chapter 8 when Philip went and evangelized the Ethiopian eunuch. We read about how Paul and Silas were in jail in Philippi, and, 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 and the jailer comes in, and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe. That means entrust. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. We are called to share that message. May I ask us all a question? Have we shared the gospel with anybody this year? Have we even invited someone to church, to worship, and then potentially to hear the message of salvation? You know, I believe that if we were to take the gospel and the Great Commission seriously, then every week we would invite people to church. Every week we would share the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the most important message in the world, and we're called to share it. May I draw your attention back to Matthew 28 now? Verses 19 through 20. Remember, every Christian is called to fulfill the Great Commission. And by the way, we have evangelistic ministries here at our church and that you can get involved in them and you can use that as a way to share the gospel with people. It's awesome. We do it all the time and, and we love it and, and we're called to do it. But, but here's the next phase of the Great Commission. Yes, it begins by exalting the Savior, evangelizing the sinner. But then thirdly, I wrote down this. The Great Commission means educating the believer. The Great Commission means educating the believer. Look at verse number 19. It says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. 
this word, teach all nations, and then down in verse number 20, teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. This gives the whole idea and meaning of discipleship, of mentorship. Now, the Bible tells us as a body of believers, we are called to mentor and disciple the converts, those who come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, God has commissioned us. He has commanded us to disciple them. You know, maybe you have a mentor in your life. Maybe you have a mentor or a coach about your finances. Maybe you have a mentor or a coach about at your job. Maybe you have a mentor or a coach, you know, when you were growing up playing sports. If you didn't have a coach, then more than likely, you wouldn't know the rules to play baseball or basketball or tennis, Brother Dave. If you didn't have those individuals in your life, then, then, maybe, then maybe you wouldn't know how to play the game. If you're like me, I need to pay five coaches to teach me how to play golf because this guy can't play golf that well, unless it's at Brookside. Uh, right, Brother Saunders? <laughs> Anyways, we need coaches to help us. And I believe that we are called to coach the young believers. I'm not speaking of young in age. I'm speaking of young in spiritual age today. We are called to coach them. We are called to mentor them as a body. And, and, and let me say this. I know myself and maybe Brother Dave and some of the other pastors in our church, we might have a little bit of an advantage when it comes to coaching and, and mentoring because we are, are overseeing, overseeing a ministry here. But we are all called to coach and mentor believers. It's not just my responsibility as a pastor. It's our responsibility as Christians. May I ask us this question? Are we mentoring, coaching, or discipling anybody? As an individual, do you have a man or a woman that you are coaching along in their walk with the Lord? You know, I know that sometimes... We might thunder down on sin, on adultery, on sexual immorality, on drunkenness, on all sorts of stuff. But today, I want to thunder down on this thought that if we are not fulfilling the Great Commission, we are abiding in sin. When you're born, at least in our culture, a lot of times you go to preschool after you reach a certain age. When you turn five, you go to kindergarten. Then you have kindergarten graduation. Then you have first grade graduation, second grade graduation. You have all these graduations. You graduate fifth grade, you go to middle school. You, you finish eighth grade, you go to high school. And then you finish high school and you go off to college and you finish college and you got yourself a college degree. You've had all this education. How come, how come we are more concerned about a secular education than we are about a biblical education. Now, I'm all about getting degrees, and I've got enough for all of us in this building today. But I'm here to tell you something. It's not about those degrees. It's about educating young men and women and in the faith about what the Word of God says and what we're called to do. If you have children then they can be the ones you're mentoring and coaching. They may not always want you to be their coach and mentor, but you're called to as a parent. 
If you're a grandparent, you can, you can mentor and educate your grandchildren. If you have nieces, nephews, you can mentor them. You can help coach them. If you're a Sunday school teacher or a Lighthouse Kids Club worker or, or working in bus ministry or, or, or in different other ministries associated with our church, you can use that as an avenue to educate and mentor other people in the faith. Every Christian is called to fulfill the Great Commission. It means Exalting the Savior. It means evangelizing the sinner. It means educating the believer. But may I share with you fourthly? The Great Commission means baptizing the believer. The Great Commission means baptizing the believer. Look at verse 19. It goes on to say, it says, Go ye therefore. So he says, Go. He's similar words as, he, as, he, as the Gospel of Mark wrote. He says, Go ye therefore. And he says, Teach all nations. And here's where it says, It says, Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now, I think I don't need to really harp on this today, but, but you could be baptized up here in this baptistry. I, I could baptize you. Brother Dave could. Brother Andrews could. Every pastor that's ever been associated with our church could baptize you. And you could be baptized 50 million times in your lifetime by the Baptist preacher, the Methodist preacher, the Pentecostal, the Charist, all the preachers in the Roanoke Valley. But that's not going to save you. Getting sprinkled is not going to save you. Getting poured upon is not going to save you. The only manner of salvation is through faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and we as the body of believers know that, but I want to reemphasize it today. Baptism is a result of salvation, not a requirement for salvation. So when we come to know Christ as Savior, somebody, somebody in their life, they were exalting Jesus Christ in such a way that the Holy Spirit led them to us and, and shared the gospel with us. And then we, we became a child of God. And then somebody steps into our life and, and God uses them to, to baptize us. Um, and you can study this word for yourself. You can study all the passages in the, in the New Testament. You can go back and, and look at the Jewish culture. And I'm not going to hammer down too hard and beat up all these other people out there. But, but I want you to know this. that if you go to Israel, if you ever go, you'll find out that the Jewish culture, baptism was by immersion. In fact, when you look up the word baptize, it literally means to immerse. It means to go under the water. And in Romans chapter 6, the Bible says we are buried with him in baptism. So the reason why we baptize by immersion around here is because it pictures the death of Jesus Christ when you go under. And when you come up, it pictures his resurrection. So the old man, the old nature goes under and the new nature in Christ comes up. And what did Paul say? He said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He said, oh, all the old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We are called to baptize. And in fact, I believe believers are called to follow the Lord's command and what the Baptist faith has deemed as called believers' baptism. Throughout Scripture, like in Acts chapter 8 and other places, you find that after salvation, when somebody genuinely came to know Christ as Savior, that's when they were baptized. You don't get baptized when you reach a certain age. You don't get baptized when you are 12 years old. In fact, in fact, you know, there's, since we're speaking of baptism, there is no instance in the Word of God about baptizing infants. Not one instance in the Word of God. In fact, 
Baptist, what we know to be Baptist, and some of the other groups before Baptist came along in the 1600s, they were known as, as not baptizing infants and known as re-baptizing people after they became Christians. And I want you to know that all across this world, Baptists were butchered, beheaded, lit on fire, and killed, all because they believed baptism by immersion and baptism was something you did after salvation. In fact, some of the ring leading groups who did that was Roman Catholicism and the Church of England or Anglicanism. Thankfully, they don't really do that anymore. But with all that in mind, we are called to baptize the believer. And if you're here today and you are a child of God, and you've never followed the Lord and believers' baptism, you need to do it. It's God's command. May I share with you the fifth and final thought today? Remember, every Christian is called to fulfill the Great Commission. The Great Commission means exalting the Savior, evangelizing the sinner, educating the believer, and baptizing the believer. But, but then, fifthly and finally, I wrote down this, the Great Commission means sending the soldier. The Great Commission means sending the soldier. Earlier in the sermon, in the introduction, we talked about that, that group of individuals who were training, climbing up that wall, and using that rope, and then holding each other's arms and helping them get over. And, and you have to use some type of those trainings. But, but I believe that just as the military will send a soldier out into battle, God has called us as a localized body of believers to send people out into our world. And, and I believe that, that healthy churches birth churches. Just as a healthy family gives birth to children, I believe a healthy congregation is going to birth a church. Now, I know our churches were about 37 years in existence, but, but I want to say this. To my knowledge, we have never started a church. And because of that, I say this to all of us, including myself, we have not fully yet fulfilled the Great Commission. We're doing the first four. In a sense, we are helping people start churches all over the world, but we have not sent out a missionary. We have not sent out an individual to go and plant a church. And I bring all this up to say this, that I believe there's people in our congregation that God has his hand on and that God is calling but perhaps you're here and you've neglected that calling. The Great Commission means sending the soldier. Yes, I believe we are called to send people on mission trips. Yes, short term, but also long term. Yes, I believe we should send our volunteer soldiers into the battlefield of the Roanoke Valley for vacation Bible school later this month. And we're going to do that. But Jesus said in John chapter 20, in Matthew chapter 28, in Mark chapter 16, in Luke chapter 24, in Acts chapter 1, that he was sending his body into the world. So I want to ask us all this question. I know that some of you are here today, you are well established in your career. And that's awesome. And I respect that. But I want you to pray this prayer. I don't even, it doesn't matter if you, it doesn't matter what your age is. As long as you're healthy and able to serve the Lord, I want you to pray this prayer. 
God, if you want me to be sent out of this church as a missionary, as a pastor, as evangelist, or a servant, God, would you make your will known to me? Every Christian is called to fulfill the Great Commission. Now, as I conclude this message, I wrote down this statement, and I personalized it in my own life, and I hope that you'll do this. Whether you ever are sent off to, to, a, to a tribe in the Amazon or not, you know, it's, it's neither here nor there, but I want you to take away this thought. And I wrote down this. I am a Christian, and I'm dedicating the rest of my life to fulfilling the Great Commission. I am a Christian, and I'm dedicating the rest of my life to fulfilling the Great Commission. Will you be willing to dedicate the rest of your life to do that? Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith, 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.